0: This program is brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu. My name is Sam Petakowski, and I'm with the law firm of Sunstein, Kahn, Murphy & Timbers here in Boston. I'm going to discuss the case of Stanford v. Roche, which the Supreme Court has agreed to hear this term on appeal from the Federal Circuit. Of the three patent cases that the Supreme Court has taken up this term. The Stanford case is one that is of particular concern to the small business, academic, and tech transfer communities. The basic issue at this point in the Stanford v. Roche case is interpreting the patent ownership rights given to universities and small federal contractors and grant recipients under the Bayh-Dole Act, and whether those rights can be trumped by individual inventorship rights of the inventors themselves. The Bayh-Dole Act, which just turned 30 years old, gives government contractors that are either non-profit entities or small businesses, it gives them the right to elect title to inventions that are made under government funding. The issue before the court is whether the Bay-Dole Act assures that rights derived from government-sponsored research always flow to the university that receives a government research grant or contract if they elect to receive those rights, uh, or whether the provisions of the Baidol Act can be trumped by the individual rights of one or more inventors. And the Bayh-Dole Act is not clear on its statutory face as to how it would work in a case such as the one presented in this case where one of the inventors has made another assignment of his or her rights under us law invention rights derive from the personal rights of the inventor and in that sense us law is different from the law of other jurisdictions and us patents issue in the name of their inventors rather than of the entity for whom the inventors work inventors typically a large percentage of the time will assign their rights to the employing entity their required to do so either because they have a contract with their employer or by operation of common law, so-called shop rights. The issue does not typically arise. It's only in this particular case where the assignment that the inventor, one of the inventors, made to begin with was unclear and was not obviously an assignment to the university the issue arose. The factual background begins with Dr. Mark Holodney, one of the inventors, joining the faculty at Stanford in 1988. And at the time that he came on board at Stanford, Stanford asked him to agree to assign to the university all of his rights in any invention that he may conceive or first actually reduce to practice. That's in quotes. Conceive or first actually reduce to practice is the language of the Bayh-Dole Act defining inventions that are covered by the Act. So he agreed that he would assign any of his inventions going forward that were funded by the NIH under a funding program that they had with Stanford at the time. The hitch is that, concurrently with his research at Stanford, Dr. Holodny was also conducting research at Cetus Corporation. That was a collaborative research program with Stanford, because Cetus had some technology that Stanford didn't. And when Dr. Holodny started working for Cetus, They, too, asked him to sign an agreement, and that agreement said that I will assign and do hereby assign my right title and interest in each of my ideas, inventions, and improvements, so that he was in the position, on the one hand, of having agreed to assign his inventions to Stanford and, at the same time, to have actually assigned his inventions to CETUS. That's the background. Shortly after that, in the early 90s, Stanford asserted its prerogative under the Bayh-Dole Act to retain patent ownership and filed a patent application where Dr. Holodny was one of the inventors. Two other facts here are important. One is that Stanford had a side agreement with CETUS, where they agreed to license Cetus to any Stanford technology that was created as a result of access to Cetus materials. And the second important fact is that Cetus sold its PCR business. The patent, actually, there were three ultimately patents that grew out of the initial application. They were about using PCR to monitor HIV in, in the blood plasma of AIDS patients, and CETA sold its PCR business to Roche. So this all happened by 1991. In 2005, Stanford sued Roche for infringing the three PCR patents that it issued by then. And that now begins the procedural history. When the infringement claim was first asserted in the Northern District of California, Roche raised a number of defenses, one being invalidity on grounds of obviousness and one being that it should properly have owned the patent because it was successor in interest to Cetus, to whom Dr. Holodny had assigned his rights. And the district court... in California held that Roche's claim to actual title was barred by the statute of limitations under California law. It's an issue in principle here that the court is being asked to decide because Baidol has proven itself to be an effective mechanism for incenting universities. To convert research to society's benefit and as a matter of principle the question is whether that statutory intent should be capable of being encumbered by other arrangements that inventors might make on the side. We don't see it commonly but it simply raises an issue of uncertainty if what is clearly a congressional intent would be prone to being overturned by contractual considerations other than those that the university intends. It's an interesting case among the three patent cases that the Supreme Court has taken on for this term in that it clearly evinces a respect for the significance of patents in the economy to achieve societal ends. This preceding program was brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu.